Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Our show presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today will be Luke Wyatt. We will talk Vanderbilt basketball and baseball. Luke appears on the guest line. That's presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call. That number is 615-830-9458. Now on to our interview with Luke Wyatt. Luke Wyatt joins us. It's Monday morning. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got no hitters. We got NCAA bubble talk. And this is so important to Luke that he's literally getting a call from a celebrity who, if I'd named the name, everybody in the listening audience would know it. And yet he turned it down to do this show. He said, the call can wait. The, The podcast is where it's at. Absolutely. I guess we start with basketball um, because I think that's where the focus of the fan attention is right now. Vanderbilt gets another win in a remarkable run, beats Mississippi State at home, another close game. Um, Takeaways from from that one. I mean, uh, another big win keeps the season alive, keeps it interesting. Vanderbilt got pounded on the boards without Liam Robbins and, and won anyway. What did you take away? Well, uh, first of all, Chris, the atmosphere in Memorial was like the old days almost. Not quite. There was a little over 10,000 there and 90% Vandy fans. So that was wonderful. The students, I don't know what they did besides give away a cowboy hat, but I've never seen that many students. And I'm talking back even the night of like Shane Foster night and all that other stuff. I, I don't know. They had students drifting into where I sit, which is along the, uh, uh, right behind the, uh, I guess, you, the handicap section, I guess. I, I don't want to use the wrong word there. But anyway, that, that's where I sit. And there were students right behind us. So they never drift all the way over there. So that was the first thing. The atmosphere was incredible. And that, that really, I do think, helped us win that game because I didn't think we were ever going to get a rebound. They were monsters inside, totally Smith. And the way they play, if they had a guard or two that could really shoot it from the outside, They'd be a Final Four team. That's how good they are defensively and rebounding. Um, but our kids, wow. Ezra Magnon, no turnover, seven assists. Chris, you know all the numbers. I don't know him. Uh, he's got to be first in the league in turnover ratio, assist to turnover ratio. It has to be, doesn't he? I think Nick Honor at Missouri's ahead of him. Wow. That's, but he's that's close, impressive. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I – but anyway, that that to, to, that the take, and then Trevor, uh, uh, or excuse me, Trevor Lawrence, Tyron Lawrence in the first half was amazing. They uh, kind of shut him down in the second half. Maybe he wasn't quite as aggressive. I don't know if it was that or their defense, but uh, everyone just had just stepped up when they had to. Uh, Quentin Malore Brown did the best he could inside, but we are certainly missing a big body in there. Uh, hopefully, Dort can play in the SEC tournament a little bit if he only gives you five minutes a half. That'll be helpful. I thought Anson did a couple of good things. You know, he got the start because he was a senior. He came in, scored four points, got a dunk. 
uh, kind of lit the crowd a little bit. So everyone contributed, and you know we we hear it all the time: it's a team win. But that was another one of those where it was a uh, uh, couple possession games here, a uh, couple possessions here and there, and you go home a loser. But uh, really proud of the kids, really proud of the fan base. Now need to show up at Bridgestone Thursday night. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, circling back, I, I looked it up as you were speaking. Actually, Ezra has moved barely ahead of, of Nick Honor. 3.1 assist to turnover, Honor, Honor's 3.0. So Honor's, I think, been among the league leaders or leading the league all year. I presume that he held it, but I checked on it. And, and that's how good Ezra's been lately, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, he just – he was 7-0 to zero in, in that one. He's He's been phenomenal. They've kind of got this little foursome thing going on right now if you include Studi in there, and he did shoot the ball well the other night, where between him, Wright, Lawrence, uh, well, Mannion, Wright, Lawrence, and, and Studi, they, I mean, scoring 77 points against Mississippi State, that's really good. Really good, and they had to have them. Because even when they got that 15-point lead, I didn't feel comfortable because I knew that if we start missing shots, we're not getting any putbacks. Yeah. I'm just – I'm amazed that they've been able to do this for two games in a row. I've just been thinking it's kind of a run where they've been a little fortunate when you win that many close games. Those end up losing out over time. I'm sure the the clutch crowd is going to shout at me, but that that's generally not how it works. Uh, generally, when you play a bunch of close games, you're gonna you're gonna come off around fifty fifty. I'm, I'm not saying there can't be exceptions somewhere, but to keep winning with their best player sideline to me is just kind of amazing. It is, but then you look at the things you have to do when your best player is sideline, and they're doing. Yeah. You know, you hit threes. That's that's what. That's always kind of been the recipe, anyway. Even with Liam, you know, he was hitting threes himself. So that you know, if we don't hit a minimum of eight and need really ten to twelve threes, we're not going to win. We're not. As, as hard as we play and as good of offense as we run, we still got to do that to, to win games, just because of our. Uh, lack of rebounding on the inside. I think the key going forward for them, because, look, it is a – they've got no margin for error in much of right. anything. I think they've got to beat Georgia or LSU, and then I think they've got to beat Kentucky. I think if they don't do – I think if they do both those things, they might be in. If they don't, and I've looked at it backwards, forward, and sideways, I think – and it depends on what other teams do, but – Oh yeah, you saw a couple of teams yesterday get some wins in the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 um, that you know probably Vanderbilt didn't need to win that kind of thing. I, I may be confusing some details, but like Penn State getting a big win yesterday. Uh, when I'm looking at Vandy and Penn State side by side, that might be a hard one for them to jump um, without beating Kentucky. It might be hard to jump even with beating Kentucky. I think you got that. And I think on the floor, I think it's just going to be crucial for them for Quentin Malore Brown to stay out of foul trouble. Um, he, he's not the guy you lean on, but he's a part. And, and when he's not in there, I, I don't know what they have to guard the post at this point. And foul trouble's been an issue for him lately, which I, that's no surprise. It's big man and in a big men's league this year. And guys pound on the ball in the post. Bigs tend to pick up fouls disproportionately, even sometimes when it's not fair. But I think that's going to be an underrated key for them if they're going to try to get the NC tournament is trying to keep him on the floor and out of foul trouble. Yeah, I agree with that. 
you know, I watched three of those four Big Ten games yesterday because of my interest uh, for the obvious reasons. And I, one thing I came out of those games watching the way the way Big Ten teams play is really clunky. It's not much fun to watch. Uh, at least the four four games I maybe it was just the games, but uh, you know, there was a whole lot of holding and grabbing and pushing and shoving, and neither team really shot well. And I don't know the Wisconsin Minnesota game was really hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, and of course, there's been a lot of fouls called in the SEC this year, too. It would be very interesting to see some SEC Big Ten matchups in postseason. It will be. Uh, It will be. What else on hoops before we talk some baseball? Nothing else except, like I said, Thursday, uh, you know, we – if you can get, and I don't know what, what the rules are for Vanderbilt, if they can buy tickets for the students for an SEC tournament, whatever they can do to kind of give us a little edge and a little push to get past that first game would be great. After that, you got no shot as far as having a crowd there because Kentucky's going to eat them all up. Already ate up all the tickets probably. But uh, I agree with you that we got to win two to get in. And then even then, it's not a sure thing with upsets and that type of thing. So hopefully it'll it'll fall our way. Now, the thing that might help them is if they can beat Kentucky. And, and here's the other thing. I don't know how much attention the committee is going to pay to games Saturday and, and Sunday other than who wins the championship and gets the auto bid. That was an issue for AM last year. I brought this up many times. That's no secret to people who hear the podcast. But one thing that might help them if Vanderbilt is able to beat Kentucky, that opponent coming up next is going to be AM, Auburn, Arkansas. So Vanderbilt, if it gets past Kentucky, it's not going to take another bad loss. Right. So anyway, there's that. Yeah, I agree. All right. We had a no hitter last night. I don't know how much of it you got to watch. Uh, Minnesota's 0 11. I don't know what that means, but it's hard to no hit anybody anywhere, anytime. Yeah, it, you know that's what four now in the last I don't know six, seven years. That's incredible. It might uh, be four in four years now. Is it really? Okay, I, I'm missing one somewhere. Then, uh, you know, well, let's see. You you go back. You had Rocker in nineteen. You had lighter, lighter. You had this year, and am I missing one? There was a combo, another combo, but I thought that was back a few years. Yeah, uh, it might it might have been another one in between. I, I can't remember now. Yeah, but I, I, I like I and I said this before we played a game. I don't worry about our pitching unless we get a bunch of injuries because I think between the thirteen arms that we've seen so far, that you're going to have ten perform like Laboki was Laboki like I thought he was going to be yesterday. Uh, his stuff was nasty. I mean, it really was. Now, they helped him a couple times swinging stuff off the plate, but that's because it looked so good coming out of his hand. Um, I was I, That was probably my biggest excitement about that yesterday. And then, of course, Nick has just been lights out every time he's gone in the game. So our pitching is uh, is not an issue. It's, 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 it's being consistent with the bat. And I want to say something about that. You know, and everybody, rightfully so, should be worried about, okay, are we going to hit, you know, Nick on, uh, Allegretta on the, uh, or Andrew Allegretta, excuse me, on the broadcast kept mentioning how we're 14th in the conference and hit all the measurables offensively. But that doesn't concern me, and here's why. It seems like when we hit a home run, it's a solo. 
And it seems like when we get people on base, we don't hit. So we're getting people on. If we weren't getting anybody on, I'd be worried. But we are getting people on base. So at some point, that's going to change. By the way, other no hitter was last year Chris McElvain and, and Christian Little at Kentucky. Yeah. I, yes, yes. That, I right. keep forgetting that one ever happened for whatever reason. But um, yeah. So yeah, let me pull up some stats because a couple things here offensively. They are, I think they're last in the league and run scored right now, maybe. I'll have to pull that up. They're close. Now, of course, their schedule's been the toughest in the league so far, too. So there's that. But let me see. The last in batting average, I know that. On base. Yeah, they've, they've got a 362 team on base percentage. I think they're the only team in the league that's under 400. They're slugging 427. Not great. Uh, they've got 15 doubles. I would have thought they had more than that. Six triples. No, they're not striking out a lot. They've struck out 84 times to 50 walks. I mean, their pitchers have struck out 137 and actually walked more than Vanderbilt's offense has walked. They've walked 53. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm well, looking at it. Vastine's kind of come down to earth a little bit. Austin's really hitting well. Shrek's starting to find it. Parker Nolan's kind of been par for the course, Parker Nolan. Bradfield's not hitting much, although that maybe changed a little bit last night. Um Diaz just been kind of mediocre. I don't know what's happened to Calvin Hewitt that he's kind of fallen off. Um, Polk's hitting when he plays, but that's been hit and miss in terms of playing time. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, Maldonado getting some more time is kind of interesting. I, I just looked down the lineup. I guess there's some hope because you got Bradfield's going to hit better. I think Shrek's going to hit better than he's hit, and. Some of these other guys haven't been lost causes at the plate, so there's that. Honestly, I don't know. I I don't know that I know more what to think of this team than I did to start the season. No, and I think that you attribute that to the schedule because let's just say we've played the whoever schedule, Texas A&M's or whatever, and our numbers are better. I still don't think you know. I don't think it now. One of the biggest things with this offense, like I said. I, if you, I don't know how many, and you can look this up right quick. How many of our home runs have been solos? Got to be. I don't know. I mean, and the yeah, it's, in, it does seem like they've had a lot. Nebraska, we hit three, and they're all solos. You know, that, that's the game that you know you can win if you you got one guy on base that got hit by a pitch or something. You know, a lot of that is luck. It really is, and uh, it's. It, that hadn't turned our way yet, but I think it will. And I'm more excited about us making contact than anything. I keep dwelling on that, but I think we only struck out three times yesterday. I mean, we didn't do that hardly any last year. That yeah. I can remember. We struck yeah. out three times the first two innings. So the contact thing is more important because a lot of times you can just put the ball in play and they're going to make a mistake, you know. Seeing Bradfield getting going on the bases this weekend was a little bit of a good sign. I I don't know what it is. It seems like to me, maybe I'm imagining this, it seems to me like he's not been as fast down the line to first in the first couple of weeks. And then he was what? He, he got caught stealing, I don't know, three of the first four or five times, which he didn't get caught stealing all last year, although he did get picked off. I don't know what to make of him when I've watched him at times. He, uh, to me, uh, and I, 
I want to make sure I'm parsing my, he he's pacing himself. I think he understands being a veteran, you know, this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And I think Enrique's an emotional kid. And when he gets that emotion going, once we get into conference, I don't think he's going to have a problem. I think he'll be the old Enrique. And now he has been defensively. He's been the same. He tracked down uh, the game, maybe an Austin P game. He, and he goes, you don't notice it because it's a midweek game, but he made two or three incredible plays. Just getting a jump on the ball where he just outruns the baseball. I don't see a difference in his speed. I do see, like you said, a little bit of a difference going down to first base. But again, I think that may be him in his mind pacing himself a little bit. I'm sure Corbs doesn't care for that, if that's the case. But I do see that. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him beat out some balls in the past that he has not so far. Right. I don't know if that's fair or not, if that's just my eyes playing tricks on me, but it just it feels a little bit odd watching it. Yeah, and he could be protecting something that we don't know about. He may have he, a he could, bit of- and that's what I've wondered because he's always yeah. hustled. That's never been yeah. hustle has never been or lack of hustle has never been something that you have been fairly able to put on that guy. Right, and then you talk about a kid that knows that this is it and uh, everything he does is under a microscope to where he's going to be drafted. And I think that plays into it as well. Yeah. Uh, Infield switcheroo. What'd you make of that this weekend? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Specifically, they started, what, Austin at second, Diaz at third, Vastine at short. I like it too, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think Diaz is probably more equipped for third. He's got good hands as far as quick reactions, but sometimes he bobbles the ball a lot. But we're at third, if you can just play it off your chest and make a throw, you're good. Um but now Bastine is really smooth at shortstop, I think. He looked good this weekend. I like that there. And, look, let's face it, R.J. Austin, that kid, he's he's my favorite signee because I think that kid is uh, could play anywhere on the field. Heck, if you gave yeah. him the tools of ignorance, he'd go behind the plate and do a good job. He's a star. He really is. He's a star in the making. He's going to he, – the ball he hit in that – and we can talk about this a little bit – in that football stadium that we played in, he hit one in the upper tank opposite field. I don't know how yeah. far it was, but it was it was impressive. That venue, everything about that tournament I hated. I mean, I oh. guess I'd rather have weird baseball than no baseball, but my goodness, I would not be eager to go back there if I'm anybody. No, and, and I, I will tell you this. This is how bad I hated it. I, li- I watched it. I, I did have the 
$29 or whatever it was we paid for it. I don't know what it was. But I watched part of the first game, and it was so irritating. I just turned it off, and listen, I had more enjoyment listening to it on the radio. That's how bad it was. Hey, the, the I, first I, day the first day might have been the best of all the days from broadcast quality, too. Well, and I don't – you know, bless his heart, whoever it was doing the color, I, I don't know who they had. And, uh, you know, he, he may be just – volunteering or something i don't know but it was it you could get somebody from the elementary school do just as good it was it was pitiful the saturday color commentating on big 10 plus was so bad i'll be honest i was paying more attention to like what dumb thing is this gonna guy gonna say next than i was the baseball i've never done that I've never – I was out – now, to set the stage, my son had a baseball practice that morning. Right. So I'm sitting there watching it on my phone with the ear pods in my ears and keeping an eye on him and keeping an eye on the game. All I could think of were two things. Either they were using artificial intelligence as a color commentator, and, and you think I'm exaggerating, but if you heard it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Or yeah. it, it, it literally sounded as if – it was either that. It was either that. It was either some kind of a prank, like a, a bar stool or reality show kind of prank where they they just put a guy in a booth and it was his job to sound as weird as you possibly could from tone of voice to the just complete lack of insight. I mean, the, the things that I heard on the broadcast, let me see if I can get the mental list down. He was quoting batting averages in in points. So, looking at R.J. Shrek, R.J. Shrek is hitting point two six eight. Um, he when when Maryland's Matt Shaw, their All American shortstop, got a double. He pulls into second, and the guy says, and the guy only spoke in very short bursts too. Right. He would get in a quick one liner that took four or five seconds, if even that. And when, when Shaw hit a double, he said that was his fourth second base hit of the year. Um, I think the best one, I, I texted somebody this. I'm going to have to pull this up. Um, oh, when, when Maryland came to bat in the fifth, he referred to it as a big offensive possession for Maryland. So I'm just thinking, how could you, how could you knowingly hire this guy? It was like, it was either. It was either AI, it was a prank, or they literally pulled a guy in off the street and tried to teach him baseball in 30 minutes before he hit the air. Well, Chris, you've missed two that were the funniest ones to me, and this was the first night, I think, when he called the umpires referees, and then he called Jack Bulger a hind catcher. I haven't oh, heard my. Hind, I haven't heard hind catcher since my grandmother. Which night was that? The first game, I think. Oh, I missed that one. That that guy was way better than the guy on Saturday. You think I'm kidding, and I'm not. Yeah, well, the guy on Saturday, I just saw the sound bites. I heard all the sound bites. But the, like I said, it was so bad watching it. First of all, the play-by-play stuff, I was just silencing that after a while. It was so embarrassing. So, I, it, But just the visual of it was horrible to me. I couldn't, oh, awful. I couldn't tell where the ball was hit, and neither could the cameras. No. And I think that was the other problem. Uh, they only had two, maybe three cameras, and there was no replay, I don't think, for the whole weekend. 
because there were a couple no. of plays. I think we benefited one. We benefited from a play at third where I thought we were out, and then I think they, uh, one of the teams we played benefited from another call. So there was no replay. Well, and I it's thought the good. ball that I was going to say I thought the ball that Shrek hit for a triple. That's a home run. I guess this. The, I, I thought it was too. It either hit the very top of the fence or it hit the concrete and it bounced back. It was one of the two. But by the way the ball bounced, it hit something hard. It did not hit the top of the fence as it faced the batter. It might have literally hit the, the part of the fence that that faces the sky, the edge there. Yeah. Or, But I thought it hit, by the way the ball bounced, I thought it hit metal or concrete behind the fence and came back. But they, they had no replays. And no, so that rabbit, hop, that rabbit hop, hop it took was like a concrete hop. That's like bouncing off the street. So it had to hit that yeah. concrete. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, how do you how do you get a tournament like that in such crappy everything and convince <laughs> convince Vanderbilt well, and the defending national champs to come play it and convince Hawaii to fly across. I don't know how many time zones and miles to get there. Well, is this the first time they've had it, Chris? I hope to God it is, because I can't imagine anybody doing that before and saying this is how you do it today. And does Minnesota play their whole season there? I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know, it was awful. I know whether, you can't play where the Twins play. I know that because you don't have a roof. Yeah. But my goodness. Yeah, you could almost find another place to play inside of a ballroom or something. And I, I, it was just awful. I just, just, just leave it at that. I was trying to figure out the dimensions to that also, especially based on the the lines on the football field. You could still see them even though they had tried to blur them out. You could still see where they were. It right. looked like to me to the very left field corner was about maybe 310. And so I don't know how far it was to the alleys, but it looked to me like a short fence. Now, the weird thing was right field looked further back from home plate, but that's where they had that big wall that was, I don't know, 30 feet high all of right field or whatever it was. And that that looked like a a tremendous poke to get it out of there. It looked like it was further away than than everything in left, but you saw a couple of guys clear that. Well, the the, uh, right field foul net, they didn't have a foul pole, it was a foul net. The right field foul net was 300 feet. So, you oh, get okay. Yeah. So it was, that was, so the it deal. was very short. Tall, yeah. That's why they had the tall wall. And that big wall makes it look like it's further back. So, <clears throat> and where was it? I, I heard Andrew on the broadcast mention that it was just a sheet. What was he speaking of there? I don't know what that meant. He said it wasn't even a wall, that there was a sheet pulled over or something. They had two lines on it, one for junior college. I was like, what in the world is that? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you hit it above one line, it was not a home run because it's a junior college line. I mean, good. I, I don't know. I guess they have high school games in there, too. I, I don't know. That was the weirdest baseball event I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't think we'll be back. That's to be my guess. No, and you had the, the dugouts that on the field, they, they were like those little, you know, <laughs> kind of like the, the canisters that you – you take when you're moving or whatever. Yeah, little cans. Uh, well, and not only that, they weren't big enough. All the, uh, all the, uh, well, what am I saying here? Not the, well. The coaches had to be out of them, and so did the uh, support staff. 
there wasn't room for anybody to be in the dugout except a few players. Wow. Yeah, that that was that was a poorly a poorly planned event all the way around. Um, I'm still trying to figure out why Devin Futrell didn't pitch. I'm told it was a coach's decision. I was asking this morning: is does does he pitch midweek? Uh, my, my source didn't know, so I don't know what's well, going on there. So many things can happen with that, Chris. When you're on the road, if a kid's late for a meeting, misses a meeting misses a treatment or something like that. I mean, we had it in football. Uh, you don't notice it in football because there's so many players uh, come and say, okay, you're not playing today. So it could have been something as, as small as that. I say small, it's not, it's not really small, but it could have been that, uh, a disciplinary thing. Or it could be, like you said, we have two midweek games. And uh, I don't know if Riley gets another chance. I would assume he will. And then I guess uh, Devin may pitch the other one. We'll see tomorrow. Uh, uh, I was looking at Speaking of that, I was looking at Tech and Evansville. I think they're two pretty good teams, man. <laughs> Looked at who they played. I think Evansville played two or three ranked opponents. Uh, one of them, uh, maybe Evansville has beaten Oregon State once. So that's not going to be easy either. I think Evansville's won seven in a row. Yeah, the problem with pitching Futrell midweek, unless you've got him on a pitch count, is then it's hard to, a little harder to, to get him back throwing on Sunday. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that they would have – one of the first things I thought when I found out he wasn't pitching was, well, that is a horrible park for his skill set because he's a yeah. fly ball pitcher, and my goodness, you do not want to throw a fly ball pitcher in that bandbox that they created. So I, I don't know, but um, – yeah, I, I don't know. But my, my sense is there was something more than that, but I might be completely off base. And that's probably not fair to Devin. I've never heard anything about him being a – an issue, so I don't know what happened. We'll know tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to see them, you know, put together a couple of 12, 13, 14 run games. I mean, have you seen the numbers that are going up around the league offensively? It's it's bananas, and really around college baseball. Well, do, do we attribute that to lack of pitching? Is it is, the, is it home run numbers, or or just hitting off just uh, batting average numbers? Uh, I think it's both. I'm going to pull up the stats. Um, I was texting with some friends last night that are, that have got some connections here and there. The, the, the exit velocities off barrels, I mean, a lot of people have attributed it to the baseball. The EVs by some of these guys, I mean, you're seeing 110s and up. Uh, let me pull up the stats that you're seeing for teams. And look, now, here's the other thing. Vanderbilt has played the toughest schedule in the league so far. And that that is not inconsequential. I don't know. You, you remember before Vitello or maybe even in his first year or two, Tennessee used to just go beat the snot out of you know Dayton and Marist and, and whoever pre-conference, and they'd go – 13 and 1, 14 and 1, 15 and 0 or whatever. And then they'd get down to the league and then it would all come back to to earth. You're probably mm-hmm. going to see that happen with some of these teams. But I'm looking, okay, Vanderbilt is tied with Kentucky for last in the league and runs scored. Vanderbilt has played one more game than Kentucky. Vanderbilt is last in the league in doubles. 
Vanderbilt is third from last in home runs. Kentucky's got six. And Texas A&M's only got 10. Let's see, walks. Vanderbilt's only got 50. That is last in the league. Strikeouts. Vanderbilt struck out 84. A&M struck out 85. Tennessee struck out 103. Carolina struck out 103. Missouri, 93. Kentucky, 97. LSU, 93. So you got Vanderbilt as one of the the teams that's striking out the least in the league. Uh, But sometimes that's just manifesting as harmless rollers in the infield, which it seemed like last night was just a parade of those, one after another. Uh, let's see, Vanderbilt is the only team in the league under 400 in on-base percentage at 362. Next worst is A&M at 414, and Vanderbilt is actually outslugging A&M 427 to 405, but that's the only team that is, a, is behind Vandy in slugging. Now, some of the numbers around the league. Florida's hit 35 home runs, and against Vanderbilt's hit 14. Um Alabama 25, Ole Miss 23, Georgia 23, Arkansas 23, Tennessee 24. Uh, Those are all the ones over 20. I I don't know. The bat thing, there's going to be a different inspection process, and it's by the SEC. So I think when you get into conference play, if people are doing shenanigans with the bats – it's going to be a lot tougher to do because the league, led by the umpires, are going to do the checks before the series and not team managers or whatever. And I think they're going to be checking for the stickers too. So again, this is an SEC thing. This is not applied in any other league that I know of so far. But if I'm a coach or a player or a team or whatever and I'm tampering with bats, I'm I'm wanting to play with the bats I'm going to have to play with in the league. Uh, exactly. Or aren't you? No, no, I agree. So with I don't that. know. I, I think the number. I, you know, I look at the. Uh, again, I'm not trying to be all Vanderbilt here, but when I look at what our schedule is and what these other teams, some of these teams they're playing, and I look at some of the ERAs of these other teams, I mean, good grief, that's part of it. It's just a horrible pitching. Um, See, I don't, uh, I don't know about that. I, I think the arms. You've got some talented arms in this league. Much more so no, than I'm, you had a year ago. I don't mean the SEC teams. I'm talking about their opponents. Oh, gotcha. Numbers are so good against those opponents is because they're just. I mean, it's it's. I'll give you an example. There was a kid that pitched for oh, was it Gonzaga? I think Gonzaga, and I know the West Coast Conference usually has decent baseball. But I think Gonzaga is like now after the sweep of Tennessee, they're one like in one eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So. There was a kid that came in, he had an area of like 54, and it wasn't because of one bad inning. I, mean, I looked at his stats, he pitched like eight innings. How do you get a 54 yeah. yard pitched eight innings? So, you know, I think that I think that's part of it is just that early pitching. And it'll all come back, I believe, because I don't I haven't seen any odd things off of a bat like I've seen last year. Now that's just watching Vanderbilt and then watching highlights of other teams. But I haven't seen any odd now the vast home run we hit was a bomb but you know it's to right field so it appeared longer than it was it was just i don't know he killed that ball but besides that i haven't seen any balls jumping off of the bat you know what i'm saying hasn't been that trampoline look to it yeah i don't know i mean i think it feels like you see 
everybody with velocity now, right? Like I feel like if they play Eastern Kentucky in the midweek, you're going to see a couple guys that are that are touching 90 or beyond. It feels like oh, there's so yeah. much emphasis on that. Training has gotten so much better. Now, what I do think sometimes is the the learn to pitch thing. Uh, you look at the walk numbers in the league; they're really high. Mississippi State's walked seventy nine guys in one hundred and eight innings so far. Uh, Ole Miss has walked sixty three in a hundred. And Chris, I don't. You can check this one too. Check on hit batsmen. Seems like we've been hit a ton. We've hit a, a lot of guys ourselves. Seems like, but hit batsmen's up too. Yeah, Vanderbilt has been hit 22 times. That actually doesn't lead the league. LSU and Kentucky have been hit 27. South Carolina's hit 38. Either yeah. they're either that's a reflection of pitching, and they're all standing on top of the plate. Uh, and that I think that'll come down a little. Those things will come down a little bit because the pitching they'll see in the SEC is better. I mean, I'm looking at some other stuff. Um, yeah, uh, walks. Tennessee's walked 24. That's the lowest in the league by far. Well, while you're looking to the, some of these guys, some of these pitchers that aren't stretched out yet where they're throwing 90 pitches or 100 yeah. yet, well, this weekend I think you're going to see pitchers get stretched out more. I think this is the weekend you you can top some guys topping 100 pitches. Yeah. Let's see. Other things, home runs allowed. Georgia's allowed 19. If I was going to pick a team that I would say leads the league and home runs given up, they would be up there. Ole Miss has given up 15. Vanderbilt's given up 12. Um, South Carolina's only given up four. My goodness, South Carolina's given up four home runs, and it has hit 32. So I don't know what to make of that. Um, week, week schedule, although they did play Clemson this weekend and took the series, so there's that. I don't know how good Clemson is this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Didn't we have a kid now? Didn't we have a kid leave Vanderbilt and go to Carolina? Yeah, Gavin Cassis, who's yeah, last yeah. I checked, had played really well there. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Vanderbilt has hit eight guys, which is the second lowest in the league. Florida's hit 17. Now, here's something interesting. Florida's walked 54 and hit 17 in 111 innings. With the 535 ERA, uh, that that is a staff that I would have thought would have been at or near the top of the league. I don't know if Florida's playing in a, in band boxes so far or, or wind is a factor, but whenever Florida's playing games, my goodness, you're seeing some runs scored. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, any anything else with baseball or or basketball before we move on to the mailbag? No, I, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't we have uh, ten straight home games now? To kind of get things on, uh, you know, get into a little comfort zone here. Hopefully, and go eight and two and nine and one in these ten. I think. Oh, uh, that, that's that's pretty close. I'm, I'll look it up for sure. I know that it's it's two midweeks, followed by three with Loyola. So that would be five. What is it? One midweek next week with Belmont. That'll be out at First Horizon. Oh, shoot. I'll have to miss that one. No, I won't. I'll be back in town. Okay. That one and then, then three the- with Ole Miss and then a, and then the, the bookend game with Lipscomb. So, yeah, that, I think that's tennis. Right. So that'd be good. I, this is when you get healthy and get things right. They get in a little bit of comfort zone. Uh, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you won't have school either. Because yeah. Spring break starts what, this week. So, 
it'll be just baseball, 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 and maybe our, our flaws can be covered up a little bit. Well, you may see the offensive numbers take a little jump, too, because Ole Miss is having some issues with pitching and with health, and then Mississippi State's really struggling to pitch. So yeah, yeah. those are your first two series. But, um, yeah, are you ready for the mailbag? Yes, sir. Okay, let me find the mailbag. While I'm stalling for time here, your <laughs> reminder that the mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200, see what your rights are and if they can help. Uh, here we go. We've only got one mailbag question today. I think that's because everybody's oh. busy talking basketball and the NCAA tournament. Um Okay, uh, would you rather face Georgia or LSU? I have an easy answer for that one. I'd rather face LSU. I would not. Really? See, I I, I just don't think – no way the kid's going to go 35 on us again. Eh, I don't Maybe. know. LSU, see, LSU's playing a lot better, and I wonder this time of year when you're playing for nothing – Easy to have your mind on spring break. Georgia's lost five or six in a row. It doesn't mean anything. LSU's continued to play hard and play well. Yeah, I I don't know. Either one of them could be a win or a loss. I don't, you know, once you get into tournament play, you see it everywhere all over the country. And uh, it's you just got to bring your A game, and we have to do that. We we can't be worried about, okay, we got to win two games because if we try to do it that way, then we won't win any. Yeah. All right, uh, any any parting thoughts? I've got some other things I need to tend to here. So I was going to see if there's anything in the podcast that we needed to discuss today that we didn't get to. No, I think we're good. Uh, spring football, uh, they we'll have one or two more practices, and then they take a break. Um, we can get into that in the next week or two. But uh, basketball, again, please get out there Thursday night if you can, folks. The kids deserve it. If nothing else, they have. Whether they make the NCAA or not, they have busted their rear ends and done everything they can to put themselves in a position to get there anyway. Um, I hope they just didn't wait too long to do it. Yeah, my nine-year-old son has been lobbying my wife to go, uh, but he is not winning that argument. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) All right. Take care, my man. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.